It's time. We are not called to be nice. Sandy Rios. Welcome, Sandy. Thanks for being here. We are often called to be confrontational. And here with me in D.C. is Fox News contributor Sandy Rios. You and you still like me? Or you, or you don't like me, James? Are you okay? You're all right. <laughs> I'm a musician. I can't help it. Uh, longtime Fox News contributor Sandy Rios, thanks very much for being with us. We have, I think it's four to one youth. In America, wants gay marriage. Our kids are the product of public schools. No wonder they poll the way they do. It's time to stand up or we're going to lose everything we have. Director of Governmental Affairs for the American Family Association. Step up, speak up, say something, do something. This isn't a game. This is real life. Sandy Rios is with the American Family Association. A pro-life radio talk show host. Some things are worth fighting for. Judge Thomas, you solemnly swear to tell the truth, the whole truth, and nothing but the truth, so help you God. I do. Please be seated. When I was six, I wandered streets by myself. You were hungry and didn't know when you'd eat. Someplace in my life, the road split off. I had gone to the seminary. I had gone to all white schools. I was never going to be a part of that world. I was never going to be white. The problem is I can never go back completely to the world I came from. We're supposed to be revolutionaries. We were for anybody who's kind of in your face. I saw what I had become, lashing out at every single thing. And then I asked God that if you take anger out of my heart, I'll never hate again. And that was the beginning of the slow return to where I started. I want my candidacy to unify our country. I was under a constant attack. You're not really black because you're not doing what we expect black people to do. I will nominate Judge Clarence Thomas to serve as Associate Justice of the United States Supreme Court. That's when all heck broke loose. Judge Thomas began to use work situations to discuss sex. We know exactly what's going on here. This is the wrong black guy. He has to be destroyed. You really didn't matter. What mattered was what they wanted. So you'd still like to serve on the Supreme Court? I'd rather die than withdraw from the process. I wouldn't be able to say I lived up to my oath and did my best. All right, Sandy Rios with you. Some of you will remember that well because when that documentary created Equal, which was produced by Michael Pack, uh, who had done a lot of nationally broadcast uh, documentaries for PBS, we did this great interview with Michael and covered the movie and uh, I, many of you went to the premieres around the country and since then maybe have seen it on Prime or other outlets. It was removed for a time because uh, it was just too powerful and effective. It is a marvelous telling of the life of Justice Clarence Thomas, and I still highly recommend it. Now, this is what's different, because as of just uh, this month, a new book is coming out that's by the same name, Created Equal, and it is the story in writing of that 
um, that that documentary. And of course, it, it, it contains a ton more information that they than they were able to get into the documentary. And it's just coming out. And I wanted you to be uh, some of the first to know about it. So Michael Michael Pack joined us last time to talk about his incredible documentary. And this time, I asked the co-author of this book, Mark Paoletto, to join us. Mark is the general count was the general counsel for the Office of Management and Budget under President Trump. He was a chief counsel and assistant later to Vice President Pence. He was on the front row during the confirmation of Justice Thomas, Justice Neil Gorsuch, and Justice Brett Kavanaugh. If anyone knows uh, about the Supreme Court and the troubles that they're having and knows the men that were, uh, certainly the man we're going to be talking about intimately, it is our next guest, Mark Paoletto. And Mark, thanks so much for joining us this morning. Sandy, thank you so much for having me on, and it was great to listen to the trailer to that spectacular documentary. It's Isn't really, that something? Really brings back a lot of memories. It does, yeah, and yeah. His, his story just thrills me, honestly. And I think, too, Mark, I have to say, I'm sorry, I just have to say, just uh, uh, we know that a lot of the way he's pre- prevailed is because he is a, he's a righteous man. He does believe in God. There was a life change, and he is just unwavering when it comes to truth, and that's why there's so much attack on him. Uh, I want, if you don't mind, I want us to just for a second uh, talk about what's happening now in regard to the court. Uh, like I said, no one really knows more about this than you do, Mark. And um, so I'm going to just ask you some uh, simple questions because it's my opinion that the left has really managed to take over the executive branch and that they've managed to take over the uh, legislative branch. But they haven't been able to take over the judicial branch. I view what's happening right now to the Supreme Court justices as just that last hurdle, that third branch that they must conquer. I want to know what your thoughts are about that. Um, absolutely, Sandy. I think that the, the Supreme Court and the court system generally has been in the control of the left for many years, right? starting kind of back with the Warren Court, but even all the way up through you know, even into the 80s and 90s, when there were a lot of uh, Republican appointees that didn't turn out to be very conservative or originalist. And so even, you know, but, but in the past few years, right, uh, with President Trump's appointment, uh, you know, that has been the turning point where the court has now become what we call an originalist court, which is to, look, you know, look at uh, what the Constitution says or look at what a statute says and apply that as written and as understood, um, kind of the original meaning uh, of, of those terms, and not create out of whole cloth new rights, or, or you know, or or yeah, new rights, uh, new constitutional rights. And so, the, 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 I think the left saw that coming, and then when you know Justice uh, Amy Barrett was confirmed, and they saw the court now kind of going to work over the past few years, the left realized, wow, this has actually happened. <laughs> uh, and, and we no longer have this super legislature in our control. And so they now want to destroy this court. They want to burn it to the ground. And, you know, as we're seeing that sort of um, approach uh, in attacks actually leads to, you know, potential violence and, you know, and assassination attempts, right? I mean, this is so awful of what we're living through right now um, that it's, un- it's unprecedented. And so the, so, so the, I think the left wants to um, deal with either intimidate justices. That's why they leak the opinion. Unprecedented. It's never, ever happened before in the Supreme Court history. There's been 
very rare leaks in the past of little you know dribbles of this or that, but an entire opinion leaking unprecedented. That was so that they get this opinion out there and they get the left riled up to want to go picket justices homes, which is illegal under federal law. Uh, and, and as we see, the Biden administration is not enforcing that at all. Um, and so uh, they want to intimidate justices. Uh, hopefully, maybe they'll, 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 they'll jump off that opinion or they'll, they'll change it, that kind of stuff, or just to delegitimize the court so that when they come out with this opinion, the people will say, uh, you know, we need to court, you know, we need to pack the court. The court is kind of gone crazy and is illegitimate. They keep, you know, pounding this theme, right, that um, that Gorsuch was appointed illegitimately because, um, you know, McConnell, uh, you know, didn't move on the garland uh, completely within his power, completely constitutional, completely legal. But the left has these narratives. And so that's what they're trying to do right now. And I'm hoping uh, in praying that the opinion comes out shortly. And it is as the, the Dobbs draft, um, you know, um, set forth. Um and, uh, and, 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 you know, this is, to me, the, how the court uh, and the politics of the Supreme Court and, the, and, and actually, frankly, our politics in our country got all twisted around was when the Supreme Court entered into this, you know, this area in 1973 with Roe v. Wade and, you know, a barbaric opinion, both to what you know, to, 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 for this pro, this procedure and, and, and the killing of babies, but also barbaric to our constitutional structure. And and it's almost, it's shocking and surprising. Oh, I should, it's shocking, but kind of not surprising that the left would be doing what they're doing now, given that the Supreme Court looks ready to move out of this area and return this decision to the states. You know, Mark, that's really a, I just, that is an amazing observation because it did the, the court did become lawless when Roe versus Wade uh, was decided. Uh, I, I mean, I've talked about it many times on this. I've talked about it many times for decades now. But of course, the court found rights that didn't exist in the Constitution, and they did this when the, the country was not even in the mood to have this done, except for a few states. So it was an outrageous decision, and it has caused the death of millions, and it's pr- actually created this death culture. And I, in fact, that, that yes, brings culture. me, yes. yeah. And so I, I, and so then it's coming back to them, even though these justices weren't there then. It's coming back to bite the court. Uh, to, to the threats on them are so real, Mark. And I want to talk about that before we get to the movie, I, I, but the, the new book. I want to talk just a little bit. I was reading about this Nicholas John Roski who attempted the assassination on, on J- Justice Kavanaugh. I've talked about this on the air several times. He had all the weapons to. Uh, to kill, to tape, to destroy, to kill the kids, whatever he was going to do, shoes to make, to go through their house quietly so he wouldn't be detected, uh, weapons uh, to murder. And I also find, though, that in, buried in one report that his previous address, he's, they say he's from Sao Paulo, California, I think, say, or Simi Valley, uh, he was living in Seattle. So that reminds me of like certain things, which connects me to this next thing. I was just reading this piece on Jane's Revenge. You know, Jane's Revenge, according to Andy No, is a an Antifa outlet, and they are threatening, as you know, complete violence. They're the ones that are in front of, of Kavanaugh's home right now. Uh, they have these videos that are explicitly violent, uh, encouraging uh, their people, whoever their people are, to go out and do violence, like they show a a person running with a knife through a crowd, and it says they're coming after us, and no one's doing anything to push back on that. 
I just, it'd be nice to know your thoughts about that, Mark. Um, your, just your thoughts about what I just said. Yeah, it's, um, it, it's, it's, it's terrible and it's awful and um, it's outrageous. I mean, I, I was going to say, Sandy, like, you know, lots of conservatives thought back in 1992, uh, right, when there were some appointments that, you know, Roe v. Wade would be overturned with, with Casey. And of course, there was a kind of famous sort of reporting of, of like it switched at the last moment it was going to be overturned and it wasn't. And that was a huge shock to conservatives, right? And we didn't go to justices' homes. We didn't try and burn down the Supreme Court, right? This is what the left does, okay? So, so this is entirely the only, you know, member of Congress who's been like shot for his political beliefs or is Steve Scalise by a Bernie Sanders leftist yes. right, who went to a baseball field to assassinate Republican members of Congress. That has never happened uh, from on the right to the left, right? Same thing here. They are coming and they have these groups. Now, okay, there are already attacks on pro-life you know, uh, crisis pregnancy centers. Like there's yes. been like, I don't know, 10 or 15 attacks. I mean, this is just absolutely thuggish, authoritarian, you know, um, uh, Gestapo-like tactics to destroy, right, these, these, these life centers. Um, and then in terms of the attacks on the justices, you know, it is, and, and what's trouble, it, it is absolutely outrageous. And what's troubling, of course, is that, you know, Joe Biden himself, he sent his press secretary out to, to condemn the, the, the violence. He said multiple, uh, it, it, at least as I think last night, he had multiple opportunities to condemn this, and they haven't done anything. He hasn't said anything. Um, and so, you know, you have to wonder, and also the press, the press, this has been put down the memory hole of this attack. Um, and it's very chilling and disturbing to me that the press doesn't seem to be outraged by the, a, 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 you know, a specific person going to assassinate a Supreme Court justice. Yes. That is unheard of in our country. Yes. And um, I, I just, and so, just ahead, there's the music. So let me, just a heads up on this. This uh, Ruth uh, Jane's Revenge organization is uh, saying where to their followers, whatever form your fury takes, the first step is feeling it. And then they have these violent videos, and they're calling for a night of rage, uh, the night the decision is re- is released. And I think um, I just read it's going to be in July now. I'd love to get your thoughts about that, whether what you think the case is with that. But also, I want to transition to this great book because this is. You know, I always think some we get absorbed in all of the bad things, but there are some people of tremendous character still fighting the fight, and one of those is Justice Clarence Thomas. So stay tuned as we discuss this with Mark Paoletto. Sandy Rios in the morning on AFR Talk. Sandy Rios in the morning on American Family Radio. particularly with Clarence Thomas, they've been trying to destroy this man for 30 years, lying about him, uh, continuing a campaign of attempted destruction. And it hasn't worked. And he's had a very successful uh, time as a Supreme Court justice because he has resisted these attempts. But it is it is just their latest in a long term. It's unbelievable. And it's ridiculous to talk this way. First off, it's, it's worth noting, speaking of the ACLU, the judge Reinhard in the Ninth Circuit in California, his wife was serving as executive director of the ACLU 
while he was deciding cases that involved the ACLU. Uh, Judge Ginsburg, Justice Ginsburg had tons of conflicts of interest. But there is also this dangerous rhetoric that you're not allowed to have any problems with the 2020 election. That is un-American to say that. And in fact, it's completely legitimate to have issues with the 2020 election, problems, whether it's about the media corruption or big tech censorship or all of the changes to laws, the hundreds of changes of laws and processes that well, took Wisconsin place. Well, Wisconsin had some problems with the, the 2020 the election. the private takeover of, of uh, government election offices through Mark Zuckerberg funding. And there's this attempt to just make it where you can't talk about those things at all. And that's very unfair. Right. He is. He's, he's, the, he's one of the greatest Americans we've ever had. He's one of the most consistent Amazing man. justices. And that's the problem for them. They don't like that he's such a constitutionalist, that he cares about the original uh, meaning of the Constitution. That is a threat to their progressive agenda. That's why they hate him as well. All right, Sandy Rios, back with you. We're actually talking about a brand new book. It's coming out. It's called Created Equal, which is the same title as the movie documentary of the life of Justice Clarence Thomas. If you have not seen that, you have really missed it. Please, please go see it. It's just, it will encourage you in every way. And Mark Paoletto, along with um, uh, his co-writer, co Michael Pack, have just put even more things, including what was included in that documentary, into a new book. And it's coming out. Mark is intimately connected with the court. Uh, he worked uh, on the uh, confirmations of Justice Thomas, which, Mark, you don't look old enough to have. You must have been in high school when you worked on the confirmation <laughs> of Justice Thomas. <laughs> Neil Gorsuch and also, also Brad Kavanaugh and knows the justices <laughs> intimately. Let me ask you this. Uh, what, what to you is sets Clarence Thomas apart? From your personal opinion, up close and personal, what is so special about him to you, Mark? Uh, he, he's a, a kind and humble man, a man of faith, and he's a man of principle and humility. And that is, at the end of the day, you know, uh, he's a, an incredible friend, uh, and, he, and he always seeks to connect to whoever the person he's talking with. So on the personal level, he's just a gracious, kind, engaging man. Uh, and I can give you hundreds of stories from both me and our friends of, of how he's always been there uh, in good times and in tough times. Um, as a justice, he's a person, and as a public figure, he's a person who, um, you, know, you know, has stood by his principles. Um, and that's easy to do when people agree with you, right? Um, it's not easy to do when it's in the minority of what you're, you're, you're saying or acting on. And it's even tougher when you're a black conservative and now you have everyone uh, kind of against you and attacking you in the most kind of personal ways and the most racist ways. And so, and so Clarence Thomas has been going through this and standing up to this, his entire, you know, when I say public life, sort of from 1980, uh, he joined the Reagan administration in 1981, but this kind of 1980, December of 1980, when he first gets really viciously attacked um, for his views. And, uh, and so it's, 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 it's a portrait of a man who will do what's right, come what may. And it's so inspiring. Uh, and, and it's this love of the country um, that he's always, you know, that, that always underlays his, his, his opinions, his, his speeches, his actions. And that's what's so inspiring. Again, he's a one, very close friend of ours. We have 
Thanksgiving dinner together every year. We have Christmas dinner together at our, our, our homes uh, with, you know, he's come to my kids, you know, soccer games and lacrosse games and things like that. I mean, we're, he's just a wonderful man to both my, me uh, as a friend and my children and my wife. Uh, he's just a very, very giving man. And as I said, on the public level, as I said, he's just a man of principle um, who has helped. See, this is a wonderful thing. You know, Justice Thomas has written a number of opinions over 30 years uh, that have now become majority opinions. And I think we're going to see that again in Dobbs, uh, where you know Justice Thomas has written many, many opinions um, uh, over the years in dissent uh, in, in, the, in the abortion cases, saying that Roe v. Wade should be overturned. And guess what? based on the Dobbs leak, at least, that's where the court's going. And it will be another triumph for Justice Thomas and his views uh, of where the court should be on various issues. And there's lots of them, um, including the Second Amendment and the Heller case, which Justice Thomas had written on uh, sometime before in a case called Prince. Um, and so he's just, uh, and he's full of energy and curiosity and, you know, getting things right. And so he's going, as you see with his opinions, he, he's still, uh, he's been on the court for 30 years, but there's so many areas of the of constitutional, you know, of, of, the, of the court's decisions that he's revisiting that have been sort of, he calls them the barnacles. They've been around forever. But if you go back to the original meeting and clear away all those barnacles, the cobwebs, what was actually happening? And let's revisit that. So, um and if I could just talk about the, the book for a second. Can you hold on um, just one is, second? Is that okay? I, yes, oh, sure. but yeah. hang on yeah. one second. Uh, because you said sure. that he has integrity, and regardless of what's coming his way, he doesn't, he still, he stays the course. And I, we have a clip. I just want people, because people don't know him sure. like you know him, like I know him. I want to give an example that all the, all the world saw when he went through his confirmation, and they really put him through, I, I have to say, uh, just embarrassed him. Yeah. Um, humiliated him, and this was his response because many people thought that he would just drop out because of the pressure. And this is clip nine. Mm. Let's listen to his response. I think something is dreadfully wrong with this country when any person, any person in this free country would be subjected to this. This is not a closed room. There was an FBI investigation. This is not an opportunity to talk about difficult matters privately or in a closed environment. This is a circus. It's a national disgrace. And from my standpoint, as a black American, as far as I'm concerned, it is a high-tech lynching for uppity blacks who in any way deign to think for themselves, to do for themselves, to have different ideas. And it is a message that unless you kowtow to an old order, this is what will happen to you. You will be lynched, destroyed, caricatured by a committee of the U.S. U.S. Senate rather than hung from a tree. Oh, but then he goes on to say there is no way he's going to quit. No way. He will not quit. And uh, it'd be interesting just to have you, uh, uh, this is a quiz, Mark. Let's see if you can answer the question. Who was head of the Judiciary <laughs> Committee during this hearing? Who was that person? Do you remember? <laughs> Very good, Sandy. I was gonna, yes, uh, Joe Biden. Joe Biden. Uh, and as I pointed out, Joe Biden is the person who destroyed the confirmation process because he actually is the one who actually was a chairman 
when Robert Bork first came uh, in in nineteen uh, in the nineteen eighties, uh, and then uh, follow that up with the the, the other embarrassment uh, of the hearings he held with respect to to, to you know, Justice Thomas. Yeah, Joe Biden. Yeah, Joe Biden. Hey, and and if we had... I will tell you that Joe Biden, you know, Joe Biden told people at the time, told people at the time he did not believe in Anita Hill. He told Orrin Hatch that. Um, he, you know, he told uh, Arlen Specter that. Um, and so it's really, really amazing, outrageous, actually, that a man who didn't believe in Anita Hill, he lies when he says he always believed her when he's running for president and had to sort of, you know, uh, do all that dance. Uh, but he, he did not believe her when he had those hearings. And he, yet he still had them and, and, and ran Justice Thomas through that, as you said, uh, utterly unforgivable. Yeah, but he's been forgiven over and over again and, and advanced in his career, and now he presides over all of us, ruining not just the life of a justice, at least trying, but now ruining the country. It's amazing. Uh, but uh, so, but Justice Thomas has prevailed, and I know that he and his wife Jenny have come under tremendous fire, uh, but personally, from uh, the hinterland, I think people still love and respect both of them. But Mark, this book is coming at a great time. And I guess uh, the question I would want to know is, um, I know that there are already many, many hours of uh, time spent with uh, Clarence Thomas and also with Jenny by Michael Pack and his team. But what's what's different about this book as opposed to the movie? What's different or adi- added to sure. it? Sure. A- absolutely, Jenny. So the movie uh, was two hours long. It was, it was made for PBS, right? And so it's two hours. And I'd say, I've never done a total calculation, but I bet there's about one hour of, of Justice Thomas in a one-on-one setting talking to Michael Pack, uh, an incredible, you know, sort of sequence and all that stuff. But it's about one hour, and maybe there's three or four or five minutes of Ginny Thomas, okay? That's just the nature of making a two-hour movie. We sat down with Justice Thomas for 25 hours. We sat down with Ginny Thomas for six hours. So as we were making the film, and, you know, when you start off, you have a longer film to kind of get things in there. you got to keep cutting it, cutting it, cutting it. All these great exchanges, all these great discussions that the justice was having were getting cut on the, you know, the, 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 the cutting room floor. And I thought, this is just, I, this is, this can't be like all of this great stuff, you know, the American people should hear. So <laughs> I went about, uh, you know, uh, once I left the administration, I, we went to Regnery and pitched the book and they loved it. And so it was going through the interviews, 25 hours of interviews and 30 with, the, with Ginny and sort of, you know, um, t- taking uh, the, the, the best of those, you know, uh, the, the, kind of the, 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 the interview to make it into a, to a book. So that's what it is. So the reader will get a lot more, um, you know, a, a lot more, um, uh, you, you know, uh, knowledge of Justice Thomas and his thoughts on different topics, topics that weren't even discussed in the movie. He talks about books that he loved, um, you know, To Kill a Mockingbird. But The Invisible, Invisible Man by Ralph Ellison, huge book for Justice Thomas. And that's the, you know, the, the, so that's what this book is. is it, it's, um, I'm looking at it right here. It's 300 pages or so of, of, um, of, the, of the interview and uh, gives a much more fulsome, you know, uh, picture and an understanding of Justice Thomas. So you go from one hour in a film to, you know, 300 pages, um, you know, um, of, of that interview. You know, Mark, you might be able to make, you could write a book about probably all the justices. And I really like, uh, I don't want to, in this moment, name names. I'll just say there are others that I really enjoy too. But I can't think of anyone who has a more fascinating biography 
and who in person is so engaging that you are just fascinated from the time he says the first word. And it's not just uh, uh, some people like talk show hosts I know (laughs) talk and talk and talk because they love to hear themselves talk. This is a person who has so much wisdom and so much knowledge about so many things that he and he's had so many different experiences. This this uh, 300-page book probably just scratches the surface of who he really is. And I need to say, uh, because I, I look his his beginnings are so incredibly humble. You'll see that in the movie, and you talk about it in the book. But let's do talk about the the things like you mentioned. His favorite books, To Kill a Mockingbird. That's interesting to me. That's one of my favorites too. Uh, and it's actually being banned now, isn't it? Yep, it is. It is. It's yeah. crazy. Yeah. Um, and I had a real that, that there's there's a sequence from the movie up to Kill a Mockingbird in the documentary on Justice Thomas on Created Equal. So it really had a powerful impact on him. Um, Invisible Man, um, you know, Richard, some of the Richard Wright books. Um, uh, uh, he's a huge fan of Ayn Rand. Uh, so, you know, Fountainhead, um, he, he, he talks about a, a great deal and the impact it had on him. He's quoting lines from it and, um, and how he sort of internalized that and, you know, helped it to, 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 to live his life. Right. We had uh, we, we, we both had strength, but not courage uh, is a line from the fountainhead. And Justice Thomas quotes that a few times. And it's, you know, that, that's what that's what he has. And going back to it, it's, it's principled. It's courage. That's what that's what Justice Thomas personifies is courage. And so he talks about, you know, uh, s- some of the books and some of the influences. Obviously, the two biggest impacts on his life, the influences as he, you know, formative were his grandfather, um, who we went to live with uh, when he was seven years old, and, and his grandmother, um, um, and, um, and then the nuns, the, the, the Irish nuns who taught him in the, you know, the segregated all-black school in Savannah, Georgia, uh, where he was born. Again, he was born into abject poverty in 1948 in the Deep South um, you know, to parents that were illiterate. Right, His mother was a, was a, um, was a maid. You know, wonderful people. His, his mom was a wonderful person. The father left uh, Justice Thomas's family when he was two, um, so he grew up without a father. Uh, and, but then goes to you know he goes to live with his grandfather when he's seven, and that changes his world because his grandfather is this guy who built his own business, <laughs> uh, you know, small business of fuel oil, delivering fuel oil, and then teaches Clarence Thomas the, the, the principles of hard work and ethics and perseverance. And that's what makes all the difference for Justice Thomas, uh, you know, in his life. Yeah. Well, it's a great story. Then, it, of course, part of his story is he becomes a leftist himself. He uh, grows his hair mm. long and, and joins the uh, protests of the 60s and 70s and uh, has a real pivotal moment in his life where he he's, has a violent night uh, and just thinks, what am I doing? And just uh, completely turned his life around. That's one of the dramatic moments of the of the movie, and I'm sure it will be in the book as well. But there's a lot of stuff in here, Mark, so when we return, (laughs) we're going to tackle some more of it and see if we can give people more of a taste. The book is called Created Equal, and uh, it's just coming out now by Michael Pack of Mark Paoletta, and it's it's really a must-buy to to read and enjoy and pass on to others. Sandy Rios in the morning on AFR Talk. Don't forget to connect with Sandy Rios in the morning on Getter or email Sandy at sandy at AFR.net. That's sandy at AFR.net. 
Sandy Rios in the morning on American Family Radio. This whole two-week effort has been a calculated and orchestrated political hit, fueled with apparent pent-up anger about President Trump and the 2016 election, fear that has been unfairly stoked about my judicial record, revenge on behalf of the Clintons, and millions of dollars in money from outside left-wing opposition groups. This is a circus. I will not be intimidated into withdrawing from this process. You've tried hard. You've given it your all. No one can question your effort. But your coordinated and well-funded effort to destroy my good name and destroy my family will not drive me out. The vile threats of violence against my family will not drive me out. You may defeat me in the final vote, but you'll never get me to quit. Never. I'm not questioning that Dr. Ford may have been sexually assaulted by some person in some place at some time. But I have never done this to her or to anyone. That's not who I am. It is not who I was. I am innocent of this charge. I intend no ill will to Dr. Ford and her family. The other night, Ashley and my daughter Liza said their prayers. And little Liza, all of 10 years old, said to Ashley, we should pray for the woman. It's a lot of wisdom from a 10-year-old. We mean, we mean no ill will. That was the voice of uh, Justice Brett Kavanaugh in his confirmation. <clears throat> Who can forget that? And uh, I keep in, as I hear him say that, I remember that <clears throat> this would-be assassin was going into the house at night, wanted to go into the house at night with all of his burglary tools and his assassin, assassination tools and duct tape. And it was the, that little girl and Ashley, his wife, and whoever else is in that house that would have been the victims. Okay, but so that's Justice Kavanaugh at his hearing uh, when the wheels came off the bus, uh, init- not the first time, because they had come off the bus uh, back in the early 90s when Clarence Thomas went through his hearing. And we're talking about this new book, Created Equal, which talks about that confirmation hearing, but it's also the life of Clarence Thomas. And the co-author, uh, Mark Paoletto, is with us this morning. And Mark was present at both of these confirmations. So, Mark, it would be interesting to me, since you were really right there, uh, to hear your 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 contrast between the hearing of Justice Thomas and Justice Kavanaugh. How how would you characterize them? Uh, the comparison. Wow, that was just a powerful clip, uh, Sandy brings back. Um, so, you know, I was I, I was uh, working on the, the Thomas confirmation, and when that happened, it was just uh, you know unprecedented, stunning, shocking. But Justice Thomas. You know, um, uh, and, and it was all lies, in my, my view, that the Anita Hill allegations were total lies. Uh, and, um, it, and it was just, uh, you know, it was just this terrible, terrible time. Uh, but Justice Thomas stood strong and faced on the committee and told the truth uh, about what happened. And, uh, but it was the left 
pulling out all stops. They had been trying to destroy Justice Thomas the entire summer. You know, that's what people kind of forget. All these sort of ridiculous allegations and smears on him that we had to keep knocking down, knocking down, knocking down. And by the time we got into the fall, it looked like Justice Thomas was going to have, um, you know, 60 votes, um, more than 60 votes. And uh, this, this, you know, this allegation that came in late, actually during the first part of the hearings, um, and that the FBI had looked at and the committee and Joe Biden and everyone had looked at and said, you know, what? there's this is there's nothing here. We're going ahead with the, the vote. That's when it leaked out. Right. And that was to try and, again, destroy Thomas and blow up the entire process. And um, and they should have just gone ahead uh, and, um, you know, with the vote. But when this happened, so flash forward and Justice Thomas goes through that time, he gets confirmed 52, 48 in a Democrat Senate. With 57 Democrat senators, okay, that were that were in the Senate at the time. Um, so I worked on that. It scarred me to the to my soul, uh, and it's been you know it, you know something I'll never forget. Um, I'm in the White House in 2018 when Justice Kavanaugh gets nominated. I'm the General Counsel of OMB. I had worked on Neil Gorsuch's a great deal, like every day. When I was the the OMB one, OMB um, General Counsel, and, and Brett Kavanaugh was nominated. Um, I helped um, here and there. But two days before the Blasey Ford um, hearing, uh, the, the counsel to President Dominion asked me to murder board uh, Brett Kavanaugh, essentially one-on-one, uh, and get him ready for the, 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 those hearings. And, um, and again, I said, and, and I talked to Brett uh, before, um, whatever, before that, that, that session, and I said, you know, stay focused. He asked me, he, he asked me what, what kind of words do you have of wisdom based on the, the Thomas confirmation? And... Um, and as you see from Brett's uh, talk, he talks about a circus, right? And he's not going to withdraw. And that's exactly what Justice Thomas says, right? I, I don't like bullies. I don't run from bullies. I'm never going to withdraw. And so to me, it was, you know, to, to me, the Thomas one was so shocking because that had never happened before. They tried to smear and malign Bork by twisting his word. Here they just try and invent something and destroy Thomas's life. So when it happens with Kavanaugh, it was kind of a rerun for me. And, and, and because of that, and because of the allegations and the way they were coming up, I, you know, I said to Brett, when, you know, when Blasey Ford testifies, people are going to, there could be a lot of people who believe her, but you're going to go in and you're going to talk to the American people and it's going to swing right around. If you remember under the, under when Anita Hill testified, but people thought Justice Thomas was going to withdraw, right? She testified in the morning uh, or, you know, and in, in, uh, in, in the afternoon. And then people thought, oh, Justice Thomas is going to, you know, withdraw. Uh, he came in that night, blew up the, you know, with, with the truth, um, and um, and everything swung back. And at the end of those hearings, and your, you know, your listeners should be, you know, reminded that it was 58 to 24 that the American people believed Clarence Thomas over Anita Hill. Okay, and so I knew, I knew what the facts were with Brett. I knew this didn't happen, and I knew if Brett went in there and told the truth and was strong, the American people would believe him, and that's exactly what happened. So. It was shocking, but again, it had, I had lived through this exact thing. Um, and of course, in our age, they have to make it even more hyped up, right, with even crazier allegations. Remember, Justice Thomas, the only thing, it's all lies, but the only thing he was accused of, of was talking, talking, uh, you know, as, as Senator Danforth said, dirty talk, no sexual uh, assault, none of this stuff. Um, I don't believe any of it. But, you know, with, with Kavanaugh, it becomes, right, the Julie Swetnick lies about, you know, gang rapes and, and, and all that sort of stuff was just horrific. Um, but to me, it was, 
I've seen this story before. Um, this is what the left does. This was Kavanaugh who could be changing the composition of the court. Remember, Thomas was replacing Thurgood Marshall, a, you know, a, a very liberal member. And here again, this was Kennedy, and they were concerned with, and as, 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 as actually, you know, in terms of the appointments, it has moved the court in a, a much more conservative, originalist direction. But, and that's why the left, in my view, pulled out all the stops to do something like this. You know, and to go back to what you said in the first segment, um, Mark, abortion was the issue, and every confirmation has been, like front and center. It's always about abortion and hardly anything else. Isn't that stunning? I mean, when we think about it, it, it's so—I understand it intellectually, but I cannot imagine—the other part of me can't imagine why that issue is such a holy grail, really, for the left. And this is what activates them. This is what causes them to uh, get elect people, to uh, act out violently. This is the one thing they cannot live without. Uh, I just think that's very interesting. It all comes back to abortion. I never actually thought about it that way. Well, let me ask you about the, the, the two, Kavanaugh and Thomas. So Kavanaugh, uh, Thomas goes on the court, and it seemed, this is my characterization. He, for years, wrote really good opinions but didn't say anything in court. So he, he came across as timid, and you and I both know there's nothing timid about him. He's now speaking out. With Kavanaugh, uh, you saw him come to the court, and I think many of us have been disappointed that he's been so quiet and actually uh, have wondered if this has, put, has scared him so much that he doesn't take strong, strong stands. I don't know if you can speak openly about that because of your relationships with them, but I'd like to know what you think. Sure. So, I, look, I think I'm glad you brought this up. So Justice Thomas, for many years, uh, and, and this is in the book, too. He discusses it in much more detail in the book. But this criticism that he didn't ask any questions from the bench and therefore he's not working or whatever the, I think, racist uh, sort of argument is, is about it or claim. Justice Thomas writes the most opinions per year of any justice uh, on the Supreme Court. He writes something like in the 30s, like 39 opinions per year or 33 opinions per year. When some justices, and I won't, you know, write 12 or 11 per year. And imagine if it was like Elena Kagan, she writes 11. Now, I don't have anything bad to say about Elena Kagan, but, you know, but, but what if Justice Thomas had written 11 opinions per year, right? I mean, Justice Thomas, year in, year out, but for, for years, writes the most opinions on the Supreme Court, okay? And so that's where the real work of the court gets done. That's going to be the legacy. Those are the things that, that matter, our opinions, right? Now, since they, and, and what Justice Thomas said was, that the court was engaging in sort of gotcha moments. They wanted to hear themselves talk, the justices. They weren't really interested in listening to what the advocate was saying. And he didn't like that. As you've seen, Sandy, since COVID and when the courts come back and what Justice Roberts has implemented is that they go in seniority of people asking questions. So there isn't this big cacophony of voices trying to, you know, score points or this or that, or talking really to each other instead of to the, to the advocate. Um, now it's, sequentially. And Justice Thomas has literally asked the question in every single oral argument since that's happened, right, for the past two years in terms of that process being put in place. Um, and so, you know, it's always something to smear Justice Thomas. First, he was a lackey for Antonin Scalia, racist, right? We saw from Jan Crawford's book, which had all the Harry Blackman um, notes from the, the internal meetings of the court. Justice Thomas, from the very first meeting that he had in the Supreme Court, like a conference it's called, where he discussed cases, was bringing Scalia and Rehnquist to him 
on a case. From the very first case, he's just gone through this terrible confirmation, and he goes into this conference, and he's the one who basically says, no, I disagree with you guys. Here's what I think. And justices join him. And so, you know, um, so in terms of Justice Thomas being quiet, that's a big, to me, it's just another kind of attack on him. Uh, that's, in my view, kind of born of a, a racism. But he's written the most opinions, and now he has the most majority opinions, I think, this year on the court. Mm-hmm. And just one more thing in terms of the humility of Justice Thomas. He's the senior justice, so when he's in the majority of an opinion, right, um, he gets to assign the case. So whoever is the a senior justice gets to assign the case. So in this, this Dobbs opinion, Justice Thomas is the, as, as at least been you know, the draft opinion. He's the senior justice. He could have taken that case himself. He gave it to Sam Alito. It's in his power to keep it himself. Okay? And so here's a justice who's been writing on abortion. Everyone knows Justice Thomas's views that Roe v. Wade is unconstitutional and the barbarity of it. He writes in dramatic, you know, fashion about it. Um, and yet, here he is. This is going to be one of the seminal cases coming out of the Supreme Court. And what does he do? He gives it to his friend Sam Alito to write the opinion. I just think that that says more than yeah. anything about Clarence Thomas, the justice. Mark, let's pivot to someone else that's being affected by all of this, and that is um, Jenny Thomas, who is the wife of Justice Thomas. She's already been the the victim of, I think, 300-plus articles written to smear her. But I want people to hear Jenny's voice. I know you spent several hours interviewing her, but this is her uh, from the video uh, created from the documentary uh, Created Equal. This is Jenny Thomas interviewing her own husband, clip seven. And the best part of being a justice? It's First of all, it's... um... It'd be impossible without you. I'm, I have to be honest. I mean, it would be, um, it's sort of like, how do you run with one leg? You can't. I mean, the, um, it makes it whole when I have my wife. Oh, there's the music. Um, Mark, <laughs> You have been such a defender of Jenny Thomas, and I'd like to think I have been too, because people know that I have said on occasion that I know her well. But what more beautiful and illustrative thing to show us why the left is trying to destroy Jenny as well. You have 30 seconds to say the last word on that, please. Jenny Thomas is a wonderful friend, wonderful patriot, you know, being attacked viciously, 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 but she'll stand her ground. And she won't be deterred. Um, and I'm, I'm proud to be her friend and to, and to help defend her, as you have, Sandy. And, and again, it's because the left hates, you know, anyone who goes against their, their narrative. And, yes. and both Justice Thomas, and they turn that beautiful quote that you just had from Justice Thomas into something, you know, that they've gone after him on. And it's just no, disgusting. The book is Created Equal, Created Equal.